Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Habura Public Shiur. Today, we have the privilege of having with us Dayan Ofra Livnat, uh, and we're going to be exploring different approaches to fundamental questions about Tehilim, such as authorship, the presence of Nevoah, and so on. Personally, I'm very excited for this topic, and uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, everyone, who's going to be listening afterwards. Chacham, uh, thank you so much for being with us, and the floor is yours. And I think we lost them. Officially, he is still on, but he seems stuck. Here we are. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, my internet's not so great. Okay, all right. You can get started? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, very good. So tonight I want to deal with, um, I saw there were a lot of questions in the last year about, um, I mean, I understand why those questions rose up, because we learned the Perak of Tihilim, um, which might seem appropriate to more later parts of Jewish history, but not so much to the early Tanakh period. And people rightfully asked me, uh, who was this written by? When when was it written? What is the time period, the time frame of the Mizmo? So that raises really a fundamental question in general regarding Tehilim. Um, and it raises several questions, which are all connected uh, one to each other, as we will see. It raises a question of who authored Sefer Tehilim? When and it also ties in is there prophecy in Sefer Tehilim? And it also ties into a very fundamental question what really is Sefer Tehilim about? And why is that a fundamental question? Because if we think about Tanakh, what is Tanakh in general? Tanakh is Dvar Hashem. What does that mean? That is the word of God to us. That's what predominantly all of Tanakh is about. Uh, the Torah is the word of God to us, the Nevi'im is the word of God to us. It mentions what people said, what people did. I mean, even the Torah itself, we read in the parashiot, Abraham said this, Avimelech said this, this person said that, Yaakov, Esav, and all the people they interacted with. But all of that is part of the story, which is told from the perspective of Hashem trying to deliver some sort of a message to us. So even if it mentions the words of man, it's it's only part of the, as, as it plays a role within Dvar Hashem to us, the message that Hashem speaks to us. But Sefer Tehilim, at least on face value, seems to be the reverse. It seems to be the word of man to Hashem. And the question is, is that really the case? And if that's the case, then how does that fit in with the rest of Tanakh, which is really the word of uh, Hashem to man? So that's the that's sort of the most fundamental question. But it all, as we will see, it also ties into the question of uh, who authored Sefer Tehilim. So maybe just let's let's try and uh, see what uh, uh, public opinion is on this question. Uh, the people here in the sh- this year, if you can write to me in the chat box, who wrote Sefer Tehilim? Who authored Sefer Tehilim? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Who wants to give it a shot? We have David. Okay, everybody agree with that? Other answers? Philippe, David. That's it. Only David. Any other anybody else possibly other than David or in addition other than David or in addition to David? Ah, there we go. Korach. You mean Korach or you mean uh Bnei Korach? Yes, B'nai Korach, apparently. Various authors, Asaf, Asaf, very good. Initially by David, we know some other, we attribute to others. Esther, ooh, very nice. Why do you say Esther? 
who has said it's the Warren. Very good. Excellent. Okay, so everybody initially said David, and we know there's good reason to say David. First of all, it's it's seemingly what we always think of. We always are taught that uh, Tilim was composed by uh, David and Melech. And besides that, David names Mirot Israel. And besides that, a great a great number of Mizmurim in Tihilim have David at the title head. Mizmor le David, le David Mizmor. A lot of them even have certain tied into events in David and Melech's life, like le David you have all kinds of uh, many many titles that are even pinpointed to specific uh, episodes in David Amelech's uh, life so certainly David seems to have written a great deal of Sefer Tili however other no, others noted that we have quite a few other people mentioned in the title head of uh, Tihilim we have uh, for example Bnei Korach. Now, Bnei Korach, the question is who that is. It could be Bnei Korach, the sons of Korach that were in the Korach that were in the times of the Tanakh. It could be Bnei Korach, much later descendants who were Livi'im. So that seems to make sense. They would have involvement in Tilim. The Livi'im, we know they're, they're in charge of thongs. We have other people mentioned, like Asaf, like Yedutun, Himane Zrachi. We even have, I think, I think at least two Pirkei uh, Tilim that are considered Lishlomo, that so it seems to be Shlomo is mentioned in the title head. We have Tfilah Moshe Isha Elohim, so we have uh, that we say uh, usually on Shabbat morning. Um, so it seems that we even have something by Moshe Rabbeinu possibly. So it seems that there are quite a few authors to Sefer Tili. Now let me ask you something. Is there any uh Mizmorim that might indicate that they had to be authored by somebody from a much later time than David. Anybody have an, an, an idea? You can also speak up. You don't have to. Oh, very good. Robert wrote, It's one of the classic ones. Okay, it's not the only one where this question arises, but it's perhaps the most striking. Right? is a mismal that some people say uh, instead of uh, during the week before Birkat Amazon, instead of Shira Malot, which we say on Shabbat. And it says there, So it seems to be talking about people who were in the first exile, a much, much later time period uh, than David HaMelech. Um, so that's a question. Was it authored, seemingly the simple reading of the Bismol, that it was authored by some Leviim who were sitting in Bavel and lamenting uh, the exile and reminiscing about the times that Sham Yashavnu Gam Bachinu Bezocheinu Etzion Al Aravim Betochat Kalinu Kinorotenu that they're lamenting, that they're, they've hung up their their uh, instruments that used to serve in the Beit HaMikdash. On the other hand, you could argue that perhaps it was written at an earlier time period by somebody who was prophesizing about uh, the destruction. Okay, So you see here how the question of authorship, in other words, if you claim that, as we will see, some do claim that the, all of the Tehillim were finished, completely authored, uh, by the time of David Melech, um, then you would have to argue that that was said in a sort of prophecy. Okay, so that that's what I'm trying to say. But the question of authorship also affects the question of how you understand Sefer Tehillim. Is it prophetic, like the rest of Tanakh, or is it what we call sort of man-inspired and in saying Tfilot, you know, from his own uh, contemporary experiences? Okay, so on the question of authorship, we will see. It's not a simple question. It's not a simple. Question: There are quite a few opinions on this issue, and even within Chazal, uh, we will see that there are several opinions. So what we'll do is as follows: We'll we'll see what Chazal say on this question, and then afterwards we'll go into a few opinions in the Rishonim that discussed it, like Rav Sadia Gaon, the Ibn Ezra, 
and, and a few others, and we'll, we'll try from there to, to carry on to some of the other questions that we raised. Okay, so let's first of all take a look at what Chazan had to say about this. And normally, when we think about, um, you know, who authored what, according to Chazan, the place we will go to um, is a Gemara in Masechet Baba Batra, which goes through their many books in Tanakh and who who wrote which one. So here on the on some source pages I have here in Masechet Baba Batra it says as follows: David Katav Sefer Tehilim Al Yedei Asaraz Kenim. In other words, David wrote Sefer Tehilim, but he, yeah. Oh, Robert, you want to ask something? Go ahead. Well, like I sort of asked in the chat that if you, if you say Al Narot Bavel was prophetic, and if we say that you know the bad things we can always uh, do Chuba and they won't happen, it's kind of it gets a bit difficult because now the Navi has said you know we're going to be in exile, we're not going to do we have you know it feels like our opportunity to Chuba is gone. If you if you see what I mean. That, yeah, that, well, I mean that that's maybe the classical question about all of prophecy, you know, as the Rambam discusses in Yikotshuva. <clears throat> I mean, you have uh, you have clearly true. other Nagim prophesizing about the Chuban. So, any, any neg- it's, a, it's a question of any negative prophecy. <clears throat> yes, yes, but okay. I mean, we have lots yeah. of prophecies about the Chuban, about this, about the exile. Okay, no, fair enough, all right. So, I, yeah, the it, question it's is more general question. So. Yeah, but the question specifically, the question. All the rest of Tanakh, we can have prophecy, and then we can, you know, the you know, think about the philosophical questions that it raises. But Sefer Tehilim, you read Al Narot Bavel, and you know, resonates with you as if somebody is really, you know, describing their own personal experience. So regarding that, it's a little more difficult to say that it's prophetic. But we will see that some will argue that make that argument um, because of the question of authorship and when Sefer Tehilim was composed. Um, okay, back in the let's go back to Chazar. So, uh, says as follows David Katav Sefer Tilim Aledea Saraz Kenim. In other words, David wrote Sefer Tilim, but he used in Sefer Tilim the words of Tenz Kenim. Okay, who are these Tenz Kenim? Aledea Adam Arishon, Aledea Malki Tzedek, Aledea Avraham. So the Gemara here mentions 10 other people. In other words, David himself is not one of the 10. Um, if you count them, Adam Arishon, 1, Malkitzedek, 2, Abraham, 3, Moshe, 4, Heyman, 5, Yedudutun, 6, Asaf, 7, and Shloshah Bnei Korach, 3 sons of Korach, that's 10. So David is not one of the 10, according to the Gemara Babatra, but rather... He used words of ten skenim that preceded him. You can see here Rashi says, So it was either people that preceded him, like Adam Arishon, Malki Tzedek. I mean, these uh, Malki Tzedek is mentioned in Sefer Bereshit, in his encounters with uh, Abraham, uh, Abraham himself, Moshe, very early people. And also contemporaries of David who were Levi'im and also composed. And here Rashi goes through uh, the different who was said by whom. So Adam Rishon, Chazar referring to Yilim Kuflametet, Golmi Raui Necha, that it was composed by Adam Rishon. Malki Tzedek, we have a Mizmor whether it's attributed to him. Avraham, that's the Mizmor uh, which is attributed to Itana Ezrahi, so... Uh, according to Chazar, that's Abraham, Moshe, we know Tefillah and Moshe, and all the rest, Eman, Yedutun, Asaf, and Bnei Korach, um, they were all um, all mentions in the titles to to uh, to Mizmori. So, according to the Gemaran Barabatra, we see that really Sefer Tehilim was completed by David. In other words, he wasn't the only one that authored, he used uh, Mizmori that were composed by some people that preceded him and some contemporaries of him, but nothing later. Okay, the Gemara doesn't indicate the possibility of somebody later than David uh, composing Sefer Tilim. Rather, David was sort of the main composer and editor of Sefer Tilim, but he also incorporated 
some stuff, a bit of stuff from other people as well. Um, Tosfot here brings that there is another Girsa in the Gemara, and that is Shlomo. Um, that Shlomo is also one of the ten skinim used by, uh, used in Sefer Tidim. So if, and again, the reason why to put in Shlomo as well, because we have at least, I think, two Mizmorim which have Shlomo in the title head. So Tosfot says, how do you get to ten if you add Shlomo? So according to that, we can take Asaf and say that he was one of the three Bnei Korach, and he's also the uh, the one of Yasaf, and and uh, we'll we'll still keep the number at ten. Okay, fine. But in here's the interesting point. But then Tosfot asks, Right, according to the Yersa uh, that we have in the Gemara that does not list Shlomo as one of the authors, what do we do with Tilim Einbet, which seems to have been attributed to Shlomo? It says there in the title had be Shlomo. So Tosfot answers, Okay, so Tosfot answers, it could be that it was also composed by David. But when it says in the title, Shlomo is not the author of the Mizmo. But rather, it was a prayer said by David in regarding to his son Shlomo. Okay, but basically, what comes out according to the Gemara Balabata is, as we said, that it basically the composition of Sefer Tidim ended with David. David wasn't the only one who composed, but he was the one that completed it. Tosfot raises a possibility of a bit carrying on just a bit beyond David into his son Shlomo. But according to the Gilsa that we have, the version that we have in the Gemara, not even that. And anything later than the Vid, even Shlomo Melech, we have to explain as a reference of a prayer said in regarding to Shlomo, but not that Shlomo actually composed anything. Okay, that's one approach that we have in Kazar, that basically Sefer Tilim, uh, although we have a few authors, it was completed by David Hamidah. We have a different opinion, though, in Chazal. That's not the only opinion that we have in Chazal. The other opinion is in Shir Hashirim Rabbah, the Midrash on Shir Hashirim. And this is on the verse in Shir Hashirim where it says, Banui Letalpiot. So the Midrash here says as follows, very interesting. Mahu Letalpiot, Sefer Shamrulo Piot Harbit. In other words, banui letalpiot is piot. Piot is plural of pe, of mouth. So many, it's the book that was said by many mouths. In other words, by many people. Okay, and who are they? So again, we see that Chazal had this tradition that Sefer Tilim was said by 10 people. But here they have a different list of who these 10 people were. In other words, they have some sort of tradition that there were 10 composers to Sefer Tidim, but it's not clear who they were. So the Midrash says as follows. Adam Rishon, Avraham, Moshe, David, Shlomo, al-eilen chamisha lo itpalgu. In other words, everybody agrees that five out of the 10 are Adam Rishon, right? As we saw, there is one Mizmo in Tidim, which Chazal attributed to Adam Rishon. Also, Avraham, that's the Mizmo of Eitan Ezrahi. Moshe, we know, Tfilana Moshe, Yishalim. David, David, according to this Midrash, is one of the ten. According to the Gemara in Barabatra, David is not one of the ten. Um, uh, somebody's asking, assuming they were around before David's time, do we know who Heyman and Dutun were? If I'm not mistaken, uh, I didn't look this up now, but I have some recollection that Heyman and Dutun are actually mentioned in Divrei Hayamim. Um, you know what, let me just run a quick search to verify that. But I think they, they are mentioned in Divrei Hayamim. We do have some evidence as to who they were. Yeah. We have a man... Uh, listed in Divei Yamim as Leviim that were serving in the times of uh, of David HaMelech and I think for Yedutun as well.
Yeah, Yedutun is also mentioned in in Divrei Hayamim in, amongst the uh, Leviim. Okay, that's a good question. But uh, Haiman and Yedutun are um, you, there is some evidence in Tanakh that you know they were contemporaries in Leviim in the times of the David. Okay, but um, okay, so that's that's the. So again, we said the five that everybody agrees they were the composers are Adam Rishon, Abraham, Moshe, David, and Shlomo. Okay, I'm, I'm highlighting this as an important point, I think, that according to this Midrash, David is one of the ten. According to the Gemaran Baba Batra, David is not one of the ten. David, he, he is Sefer Tigrim. He just, the, the, the tradition of ten, according to the Gemaran Baba Batra, is ten other than David, that David incorporated their words into his own book of Sefer Tigrim. But according to this Midrash, David is simply one of the ten. Then Ilen Chamishach Ranaita Maniun. Who are the other five? Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. There is a dispute between Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. Rav Amar Asaf VeHiman VeIdutun VeShlosha Bnei Koach VeEzra. Okay, so he's counting them as follows: Asaf Iman Yedutun, Shlosha Bnei Koach. He counts them as one, and Ezra. Unbelievable. He's jumping far, far away in history, all the way to Ezra was already in the times of Beit uh, Sheni, of the Second Temple. Okay? And Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Asaf Iman Veidutun Echad, Ushlosha Bnei Korach Echad, Veizra. Al dat Rav, Ein Asaf Bechal Bnei Korach, Al dat Rabbi Yochanan, Asaf Dehacha, Ou Asaf Dehtaman. Okay, so there's a, a, a specific dispute here, exactly how to count um Asaf and uh, okay, we won't get into that. But the the main point I want to take from this midrash is that they don't stop the composition of Tehillim at David at the times of the David, but rather it extends way beyond even to Ezra. Okay, and then the midrash says later on, Rabbi Huna b'shem Rabbah ha'afal tisha sarab ne adam amru sefer Tehillim mikulhon lo neemar shmotam ela liyedei David medach Yisrael. Okay, in other words, that even though it was said by 10 different people, so it wasn't just David HaMelech, but sort of we call it after David, because the, the Midrash here says that's the part which is most um, pleasing before Hashem, David HaMelech, who is Naim Zmirot Yisrael. Okay, but there's this, I think according to this, it comes out as follows. According Again, according to the Gemara Baba Batra, David basically completed Sefer Tehillim, but he used 10 other people, incorporated their Mizmorim as well within his book. According to the Midrash and Shira Shirim, David is just one of the ten. He might be the most prominent of the ten, and that's why sort of Sefer Tilim is, is known after him. But it extends also beyond David. It extends, first of all, to Shlomo, his son, and even all the way to Ezra. Okay? So if it's Ezra, then we can understand Mizmorim, and like Al-Naharot Bazil, which seem to be talking about after the exile. Okay? It's not the only one. There are other, there, there are other, I'll mention something very interesting later on about it, but there are other places in Tehillim as well, which seem to be talking about events which are much later in history. So according to the Midrash and Shira Shirim Rabbah, that's fine. We have comp- the composition of Tehillim extended all the way until the times of the, the Second Temple. So we can probably explain most of those cases as composed by somebody much later on. As opposed to the Gemaran Baba Batra, that says it was all completed by David, we would have to view anything like al narot Bavel or anything similar to that, that it was done, like Tosfot says, when it says Shlomo, it means that David was praying on Shlomo. So we have to say that it was said in prophecy for the future. Like, let me give you another example. The Mizmor that we say every Shabbat, Shira Ma'alot, B'Shuv Hashem et Shivat Zion Ha'inu Kecholmim. That's somewhat of a prophetic mizmor, which is speaking about, it's like a song that was written for when there will be uh, the redemption. So you could say that it's somebody who is viewing the redemption in the future, and he's already composing a song about that. Or if you want to say that it's somebody experiencing redemption, then you could say... That's written by somebody like Ezra Sofer, who saw redemption in his time. So he saw, Hashem when Hashem returned the people to Tzivatzion, we were like dreamers. Okay? So according to the Gemara, 
we would have to say that it's somebody who has a vision of what it will be like when Hashem will return the people of Zion, and he's already composing a song for that time. As opposed to the Gemara, the Midrash, as we could say, it was actually composed by somebody who experienced the experience of Shivatzion of the return to Zion and, and composed, you know, from you know his experience from what he saw. Okay, so that's that's the two I think approaches that we have in Chazal. Let's go on to see uh, the uh, the bit of the Rishonim. The earliest one that we have, I think, the earliest one at least that I'm aware of that addressed the, the question of authorship of Sefer Tilim, and also some fundamental questions regarding Sefer Tilim, is Rav Sadia Gaon. Rav Sadia Gaon, we have one of the most prominent Geonim, of course. He wrote a commentary on Sefer Tilim, but before the commentary of Sefer Tilim, he has an introduction to Sefer Tilim, and we actually have available to us three introductions of Rav Sadia Gaon to Sefer Tilim. They were written in Arabic, but translated to Hebrew. And he has a long introduction. He has a um, a short introduction. And then he has a third introduction, which is really very, very brief. So we'll see a bit of the short introduction where he says, you know, his main view in a concise and in the long introduction, I also quote a little bit from the long introduction, where there he really goes into very much detail about his opinion on Sefer Tidim. And his opinion is quite radical. And it's not like Chazal. He has a different opinion regarding who authored Sefer Tidim. And he has a very, very unique opinion regarding uh, what the purpose of Sefer Tidim is. Okay. So without any further ado, let's move on to Rav Sadiagon. Okay, so Rav Sadegon says as follows. Um, let's start, first of all, with something from the long introduction regarding who composed Sefer Tirim. And he says as follows. In other words, what Rav Sagion says is that Sefer Tilim, each Mizmor and Sefer Tilim, is designed for to be recited by specific people in a specific place with specific instruments with a specific song. Okay, and he says as follows. Uh, so he says it was composed by David Amelech from when he began to prophesy. And he points out here, I'm just skipping a bit, that we have many Mizmurim that were said at different time periods of David Amelech's life. Again, these are all in the titles uh, of Sefer Tilim. Um, but what he says here is that In other words, he says all of Sefer Tilim and its entirety was all given in prophecy okay, to David. In other words, he claims that Sefer Tilim is all prophecy. And we will see soon that he, he's, you know, he's, he's quite... Uh, that's a very fundamental point, according to Osadigon, that all of Sefer Tilim was given in prophecy to David, and David is the only author of Sefer Tilim. Okay? And he says, So you might think, <laughs> and it's not you might think, it's also Chazal think this, that there are other authors to Sefer Tilim, like all the people other than David mentioned in the titles, like Asaf, Iman, Yedutun, he says, that's not, that's a mistake. So he says, That's not correct. He says, there's nothing in Tilim which is not from David. Every single Mizmo in Tilim is from David. In other words, sometimes we have a Mizmo Tilim that mentions two people in the title. Le'idutun, it mentions both Yudutun and David. 
So who is it? Is it Yidutun or David? Or it says, Yidutun So who's the author? Is it Yidutun or is it Asaf? Okay, and he says it doesn't make sense that there would be two authors. Okay, he goes at length for that. So rather, what is his conclusion? Um, after he rejects the possibility that it was composed in joint by David and Yudutun, let's say. Um, so he says as follows. Um, so he says, V'chevan she'davar ze min advarim abrurim, הרי לא צורף ידותון עם דוד במקצת הציונים, אלא כדי לשמיינו שאותו המזמור נדועת דוד, וידותון מינוי הוא שנתמנה עליו. In other words, so what Rav Sagion says is as follows, really, the מזמור was composed by David, as a prophecy given to David. Why is ידותון mentioned? Because ידותון was the one that was in charge of singing this מזמור. Okay? ועל שיתוף ידותון עם אסף ובני כוח ואימן, הרי כל המשתתפים בציון אותו המזמור רואים אותו ושרים אותו יחד. In other words, any other people that are mentioned in the title, they were the Levi'im that were in charge of singing that specific mizmo. So now you'll tell me, well, what about Filale Moshe Isha Elohim? Right, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. Uh, he couldn't, he wasn't around in the times of David HaMelech. So he says, He says that Moshe is not Moshe, but rather Moshe is the descendants of Moshe, that they were Levi'im in the times of the David Melech, and they were charged with singing this Mizmo. Okay? And he goes at length to say this, but basically, according to Rav, and he says, um, what does it mean, let's say, for example, where it says Shlomo? He said, what about the Mizmo that seems to have been composed by Shlomo? So the Rav Sadia says, no. That's a prophecy regarding Shlomo. So basically what comes out according to Rosad Yohan as follows. Everything in Sefer Tehidim was all composed by David. It was given by a prophecy to David. All, nearly everybody else that's mentioned David, David in the titles of Sefer Tehidim, they were all Levi'im that were given the task of singing these specific songs. So that's Nekoah, that's Yidutun, that's Iman, Moshe is not Moshe, it's the descendants of Moshe. They were the Levi'im charged with singing these songs. And if you have somebody who's not a Levi, like Shlomo, then it's a prophecy said by David regarding Shlomo. Okay, that's the opinion of Rav Sadi. Now, how does he view Sefer Tehidim fundamentally? So he says here in the Yekadamah Ktsara, and he says it more at length in the Yekadamah Ruka, in the long introduction, <clears throat> but he says as follows. He wants to say that When we want to teach people or instruct people, we use different forms of communications and we have different forms of expression to try to educate. Okay? So he says, just like when we instruct, he says here, I'm just sort of paraphrasing what he says, but he says basically, we use different forms of expression to try to educate. We try to command about doing good. We try to warn from doing bad. Sometimes we'll tell a story about the righteous person because we want people to emulate the righteous. Sometimes we'll, we'll tell a story about the wicked person so that people will avoid the wicked. We'll sometimes use as if it's the man speaking to the master. Sometimes we'll use the master speaking to the man. We'll use metaphors. We have all kinds of different expressions. Okay. So he says all those different expressions uh, we can find also in Sefer Tehilim as well. We can find commands in Sefer Tehilim, like it says, Evu et Hashem kol chasidav, mitchu bekolet. We find warnings in Sefer Tehilim. Al kiftuchu be'oshuk be'gazel. He brings here that we have words of the slave speaking to Hashem, like shimat filati Hashem. But he says we also have words that are coming in Sefer Tidim that are coming from Hashem to his servant. So we do have a few psukim in Sefer Tidim that are sort of said as Hashem, even though maybe he's found a few psukim in Sefer Tidim that are said as if Hashem is speaking to man. 
clearly they're, they're in the minority. Maybe 98 or 99 percent of Sefer Tilim is men speaking to God, and maybe one or two percent, if that at all, uh, is uh, Hashem speaking to men. But he's saying, no, we have all kinds of forms uh, of expression in Sefer Tilim. Okay? And he says, why do I need to emphasize this? And here's really where he gets to it, and this is unbelievable. He says, do not mistakenly believe that when it says in Sefer Tehilim, Choneini Hashem, in other words, it's saying, uh, you know, have mercy on me Hashem, Hasileini, save me Hashem, that it's the words of man to Hashem. No, it's all words formulated by Hashem. It's all words formulated by prophecy by Hashem. Why then does it use these expressions, Hasileini Hashem, as if it's man praying to God, if, if, if these were words formulated by God. It's using these words because it's a form of education. Hashem is educating us that we should call out to Hashem, that Hashem is our Savior. But it's phrasing it as if man is saying it to God. But it's not really man saying it to God. It's God saying to man, but just God is using this expression of man saying to God because it's a good way to, to try to educate us. Okay? And he says, therefore, he says, In other words, when we say in Sefer Tehilim, Hashem Shimat Filati, right? We call out, Hashem Shimat Filati, hear our praise. Prayer says, Rav Sadiqon, you should read that as if Hashem is writing to us, I will hear your praise. In other words, Hashem is trying to tell us that he wants to hear, that he will hear our prayers. One way of saying that, is saying directly, I will hear your I will hear your prayers. But another way of saying it is putting into the words in our mouths, Hashem Shimat Filati, but really the message is worth saying. Okay, so this is very extreme opinion of Rosat Gon, but he he views that Sefer Tim as a complete prophecy, like any other book in Tanakh. Okay, and anything that appears as if it's formulated by man. That's not the case. It was all formulated by Hashem, given in a nevuah to David HaMelech. And it's just phrased that way because it's another way of getting the message across. Another way of getting the message across that Hashem will hear our prayers, let's say, is by saying Hashem Shimat Filati. Another way of saying that Hashem will save us is Pitseini Vatsileini Biyad That's another way of telling us that Hashem will save us from, you know, our, our enemies. Okay? So that's the opinion of Rosadigon, and he says only one author to Sefer Tidim, David Melech, that's it. Everybody else mentioned there, it's either some Leviim that were in charge of singing of the songs, or in some cases, it's people that David prophesied about, but that's it. He's the only author to Sefer Tidim. Okay, that's the opinion of Rosadigon. Let's see a complete opposite opinion to Rosadigon. And this is an opinion that appears in the uh, introduction to Sefer Tehilim of the Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra also has an introduction to Sefer Tehilim. Ibn Ezra in his con- com- uh, commentary to Sefer Tehilim, there are several Chachamim that he mentions. He quotes quite a bit of Sadia Gaon, but he also quotes um, another opinion I think I mentioned him last week, and that is Rabbi Moshe Gikitilia. Rabbi Moshe Gikitilia uh, was an important Chacham in Spain. Even the Rambam mentions him. And others, the Ibn Ezra, he wrote Perushim on Sefer Tehilim, um, and I think some other books of Tanakh. The Ibn Ezra quotes him quite extensively. Sometimes he quotes him by name, Rabbi Moshe. Sometimes he'll just say that somebody said, but it seems to be from uh, the context that he's referring to Rabbi Moshe Gitilia, if you compare it to other cases that he's quoted. Um, there are, I think, a bit of writings of Rabbi Moshe Gitilia that were found in the, um, in the Cairo Gniza, but 
some of them have been published a bit, but there are still out there things that I don't think have been properly researched and published. Again, um, it was written in Arabic as well, so I think it's a worthwhile project for somebody to do one time, hopefully, to, to try to locate all the writings that we do have of his and try to uh, republish them. But like I said, the, the Ibn Ezra does quote him quite a bit. So the Ibn Ezra in his introduction, he first of all starts off, um, he raises the question, and he quotes, first of all, the opinion of the Rav Sadigon. He says, Yeshomrim, David. Okay, that's the opinion of Rav Sadigon and everything that uh, we saw in Rav Sadigon, the Ibn Ezra quotes here briefly. But then he quotes a different opinion. The Yeshacherim Omrim, and I think this is Rabbi Moshe Givitilia, because if you look at various things that the Ibn Ezra quotes uh, from Rabbi Moshe, it fits in with this. And he says, Ki There's no prophecy in, in Sefer Tehilim. In other words, he says the exact opposite of Sadiagon. Tehilim is not prophecy. It's prayers and songs composed by man. It's it's not prophecy. Okay? So he says, is composed by somebody who was sitting in Bavel, because according to this opinion, this approach, there is no prophecy in Sefer Tidim. It's all prayers, it's all words of man. Okay? In other words, he says, very interesting. If you look at the Mizmorim, which are attributed to Bnei Korach or Bnei Heiman, they are very powerful and difficult mizmorim, which seems to have been said by somebody who was an exile. Okay, if you, if you take a look at some of the mizmorim, like things like Mimbet or Mimdad, I don't remember which one specifically, but it, it sounds like they were say, say, uh, said by somebody in exile. So he says, contrary to the previous opinions, these weren't Leviim in the times of David. It wasn't the Bnei Korach, the Heiman, the Yedudutun, which are mentioned in Divrei Amim, which were in the times of David. But actually, it's much later. It's their descendants who were in the exile in Bavel. Okay, in other words, according to this opinion, there's no prophecy in Sefer Tirim, so we have to fit the, the, the contents of the, the Mizmo with when it was said. Okay, Asaf also, if you look at Mizmo and Asaf, it seems to be said by somebody who was in exile. So he says again, it's somebody from the times of Bavel, much later. If you look at Mizmor Peitet, it's really a very striking Mizmor, which speaks about that Hashem has abandoned the house of David and calling to Hashem to return the house of David. So he said it must have been said at a time period of Tzidkiyahu, where, you know, there was a question on on the house of David. It couldn't have been said during the times of David. Okay, he says, If there's nobody in the title head, that means that the editors of Sefer Tilim, when they put together, and they put this Mizmorim, they didn't know who was composed by. They saw it was clearly of good inspiring quality, so they included in Sefer Tilim, but they didn't know the author, so they left it nameless. Okay, he says also, right? Mizmor Kufiutet, the longest Mizmor, one nineteen. Um, um, it says, "Divrei Naomi Israel." He says he was some sort of servant in the the house of the royalty. In other words, based on the content, he he tries to analyze each one. Robert asks, "How does Ibn Ezra deal with the Talmud and Midrash we learned previously?" Again, the Rishonim did not see themselves bounded by what Chazal said regarding who the authors were. Many of the Rishonim, they argue uh, with Chazal. They, they didn't see themselves bound by it. You see, Rav Sadiagon did not see himself bound. He claimed that despite Chazal saying it was 10 people, um, it was only one. By the way, this opinion that we're reading now is not the Ibn Ezra's own opinion. It's, it's the opinion of somebody else he's quoting. I believe he's referring to Rabbi Moshe Gikitilia, but uh, it's not his own opinion. We'll soon see his own opinion. But according to this opinion, it's exactly the opposite of Rav Sadigon. There is no um, 
processing Sefer Tehidim, and each Mizmor we have to check based on its own words um, who was the author. Now let me give you a case. This is very interesting, where it's really difficult. Okay? And this is Mizmor Nun Aleph in Sefer Tehidim. Here's, this is one where everybody seems to get stuck. Why? Let me show you what happens in this Mizmo. The title of this Mizmo is Right? So the title of the Mizmo is very clearly David seems to have composed it and there's a specific time where he composed it when Natan and Navi came to rebuke him for the sin of having been with Bacheva Uriah's wife. Okay, and the whole Mizmo is about Tshuva, very nice, a lot of these psukim we say in Naseret Yemei Tshuva, wonderful. Then you go to the last two psukim and you see something very peculiar. It says, Hitiva birtsoncha etzion, in other words, there is a prayer to rebuild Sion and to rebuild the walls of Yerushalayim. And then the return of the sacrifices to the temple in Yerushalayim. If this Mizmor was said by David when Natan and Navi came to Bathsheba, this is before Yerushalayim even existed, okay? David hadn't yet chosen Yerushalayim. Certainly, uh, Yerushalayim hasn't been built yet. So how could we have a Mizmo from David Melech praying for the rebuilding of Chomot Yerushalayim? How would you go about answering this, according to the two opinions that we saw, according to Rav Sad Yigon and according to the other opinion that even has recorded? So let's start with the easy one. What will Rav Sad Yigon say? Oh, Robert says the Mismo was extended by a different author. Very good. Okay, very interesting. So you will see that's exactly the two answers that we have here. Of Sadiagon, apparently, will say it was said by David as a prophecy for some later time after Yushalayim would be built and destroyed and something like that. But the Ibn Ezra here quotes the opinion, which I think is exactly what you have to say. Um, according to the opinion of Rabbi Moshe, that we don't have prophecies in Sefer Tehidim. And he quotes here, the Ibn Ezra in his commentary, he says, answers. The second answer is what apparently Rav Sadiqon would have to say, that it was said in some sort of prophecy. But he says, I think this is Rabbi Moshe, that these two verses, a Hasid who was in Bavil, who was praying the Mizmor of David HaMelech, and was inspired by the Mizmor of David HaMelech, because David HaMelech says, In other words, David HaMelech was saying that the sacrifices to God are my broken heart. And this Hasid was sitting in Bavel, and that's all he had, a broken heart. He couldn't offer sacrifices because he didn't have the Beit HaMikdash. So he was inspired by this, and he added two verses that said, also, we would actually like to have Beit HaMikdash rebuilt so we can actually offer sacrifices. So he prayed, In other words, and he added these two verses onto the Mizmor of David. Okay? So we see it's fascinating, but that's what you have to say according to this opinion. If we, if we follow the opinion, there is no prophecy in Sefer Tehilim. It's all prayer. Then sometimes we even have a case where a Mizmor is written than David, but somebody later on added to it like we have in, in this case. Okay, that's, that's what we have to come to according to uh, this view.
even Ezra himself, uh, he, he tries to take a uh, a little bit of a part of in between aspect. And he wants to say that he not time divrak on Munim Zelki Zasefer Kulonu Mar Biruacha Kodesh. Okay, in other words, he says he doesn't he's not extreme like for Sandiago and that it was all said by David. He allows people even later the David to have said things, or people that even not necessarily every time it says Le David it was written by David. But he says there is some sort of Ruacha Kodesh, some sort of uh divine inspiration. Um uh, to to Tidim, and he, he he more he sort of more leans to doesn't want to go as extreme as Rabbi Moshe Gittilia, who said that there is no prophecy in Sefer Tidim, but he wants to say it is more divinely inspired. Uh, the one who sort of develops this this last approach of the Ibnez, I think I'll just mention this briefly is the Malbim. We go to the introduction of the Malbim much later, a commentary on Sefer Tidim. Um, he says, he has here an interesting piece where he addresses, um, you know, all the criticism that was on who composed Sefer Tidim. But he basically says it was tefillot that were composed by people. And he agrees that it was also people that, that wrote things in Galut Bazel, much later times in, uh, in Shuvah Shem Shivatzion, also in the times of the Second Temple. He accepts all that. But he says, it was still, even though it was prayer said by man, it was prayers that were people who still have some sort of divine inspiration, some sort of Ruach HaKodesh, and they were composing these prayers in order to give us words that we would be able to pray with. Okay, so he does accept the opinion that it is prayers. He does accept <laughs> the opinion that it was also said by people much later than David, and he, he does accept the, uh, the the context of the prayers as an indication that it was said by people uh, who were in exile in Bavel, and they were speaking about the exile, they were speaking about the destruction of Beit HaMikdash, people who were speaking about the redemption of the times of the Second Temple, but he says it's limited to that time. Why? Because if it was put in Tanakh, then it must have been also, it can't be just prayers that were said by people you know, completely on their own, there must have been some sort of Ruach Hashem that inspired to say to put these prayers, and then they are the ones that enables us now to use uh, these prayers. So just to sum up uh, briefly the different approaches that we have, we have on the one extreme, we have Rav Sadiagon who claims that it's all written by David, it's all prophecy, um, and to some extent that seems to be one opinion in Chazal of the Gemaran Bababata that says it wasn't exclusively David, but it was completed by David. The other approach to the other extreme, uh, which is Rabbi Moshe Gikitibia, is to say there is no prophecy at all. It's all just the words of man praying to Hashem. It's all words of man. It's a unique book of Tetwati in the Tanakh in that regard. And each Mizmo, we have to decide based on its contents who composed it. And sometimes we'll even break, uh, we'll have to break off a few psukim and say they were composed by somebody else other than the main author of the text. And then we have some sort of middle, more opinions like the Malbim, possibly the Ezra, that accept the fact that it's prayers, accept the fact that you have to, to some extent look at the context and based on that determine who authored it. But it's not just prayers that were said completely independently. There is some divine inspiration in the prayers. And they were put there to enable us uh, to be able to pray as well and find in Sefotirim what we can connect to and what will fit to the prayers that we wish to say. Okay, does anybody have any questions or comments on uh, this whole issue? And uh, Robert? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, according to the Ebenezer, Ezra, which is, it requires the least, um, you know, uh, uh, divine inspiration, you know, it, it, it's the most yeah. uh, uh, historical, perhaps most factual, less, most rational view. Right. What what gives the, a particular when when we when we redacted or who redacted Sefer Tehillim maybe is, is the question I should be asking. So you know if you say it's all David Melech, it's nice and simple. You know they right. wrote this book and Achachamim looked at this book when they you know when when they chose what should go in the Tanakh and uh, they said yeah it's written by David Melech was divinely inspired therefore it it's a, it has value it should be part of the the canon and so on and so forth. 
you know, but right. if it was if it was written by Plony, you know, one was written by Plony Almoni over here and some other religious guy over there. So, what basis did it? Did who, who redacted it to to create the safer as a whole uh, before it then was included in the Tanakh? Because you, you kind of leaves you, um, um, it, it leaves you, you know, with lots of leaves you with this question. You know, I mean, why were other things not included? Who 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 got to say what was in and what was out? Right. Well, we know, I mean, we don't really know how it happened. I mean, we generally usually attribute it to what we call on Sheikh Nisset right, which was that, that they were sort of the ones that decided what would be part of the canon and what would not be part of the canon. We know that they, even they had some, Hazar brings some disputes regarding certain books, whether they should have been included in Tanakh or not, uh, like regarding Shira Shirim uh, and others. So... I mean, according to that opinion, Rabbi Moshe Gidehira, he says they don't need, they didn't even know who authored some of the Mizmorim, and that's one of the ones that they left blank, is because they didn't even know who they authored them. But on the other hand, they thought it was of good quality, so they put it in. Again, according to according to this opinion, it's not so bad. Why? Because it makes it very interesting. It's not prophecy. It's not claiming to be prophecy. It's all words of man. But on the other hand, you're right. Once it was put in part of the Tanakh, it gives it you know, a very, a very high uh, stature. So, yeah, but I think we have to say then that people were saying it. You know, they were familiar with it. How did they hear about it? People were reciting. It became yes. generally used in tefillah. Otherwise, you know, you could say a prayer, and next next day you say a different prayer, and it disappears. So the fact that yeah. that we, we 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 choose to record it suggested that lots of people were saying it, doesn't it? I don't know. It worked. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, if you want to compare it to again, Lehavdi, it wouldn't be exactly the same. But if we take a look, like at our book of keynote, right? It's a compilation mm. of, of of things that were written by different people over different eras. And it was all assembled together to somehow have the, you know, the the book that we recite. So these things were composed, they spread. And at some point, somebody put it all together. Again, this um, at, at some point, it must have been, according to this approach, sometime in the Second Temple, that somebody collected all these prayers from over many generations. Again, a lot of them were from David. There's no disputing that. But a lot of them also much later, like from people during the times of the exile, from people during the times of the redemption and you know put them all together and you know they then they canonized it and that's it again we don't know we we call it generally unshakeness but we don't know i mean they there was clearly in tanakh even in other books which are much earlier there was some editing done we have some like you just take a look at the psukim at the end of sefer kohelet for example whenever kohelet was there was some later editor that added some verses at the end, and, uh, and other books of Tanakh as well. We can see the works of some editors that added verses here and there. So we 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 do have that. We know that there was some sort of unnamed editing that was being done on, on other books of Tanakh as well. Interesting. Obviously, it would have been, need to be something much more substantial than, than just a few verses here and there. Thank you. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, anything else? Yes. Yes. So, for Rav Sadia Gaon, in in his in his, uh, it is the purpose. So, for him, the purpose is not prayer; it's prophecy. For him, what? For 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 uh, the purpose, the whole What's purpose the... of the mizmorim, the purpose of the mizmorim. Oh, the purpose of purpose. the Mizmorim. The purpose of the Mizmorim. Yes, the purpose of the is educational, according to Rav Sadiagom. It's not meant for us to pray; it's meant for us to study. Rav Sadiagom. Some claim that Rav Sadiagom here was battling with the Karaites, and the Karaites were pushing for all the prayers to be from Tehillim. And Rav Sadiagon was pushing back and said, and saying, no, Tehillim is not to be prayed, Tehillim is to be studied. So it could be that Rav Sadiagon was some sort of counter to the Karite approach. I don't know exactly how much, uh, whether, you know, how much of that is the, could be that that's also part of what's behind. But according to Rav Sadiagon, he, he would say to you, you study Sefer Tehillim like you study any other book in Tanakh. 
Okay. Okay. That's it. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much, Chacham. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks.